2: Virgin Valley Artists Association welcomes you to the Art Box recorded in our beautiful Mesquite, Nevada, and sponsored by the Virgin Valley Artists Association. Our association has something for everyone of all ages. Come and get creative with us at 15 West Mesquite Boulevard, or find us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com or on Facebook as Mesquite Fine Art Center, also on Facebook, the Art Box. <laughs>
0: Art Box is very excited to have Maureen McFarland and Maureen, you go by Reenie, right? Mm-hmm. And we can touch on why that is okay. later. Okay. I bet it's gonna be a brother or a sister or something <laughs> like that. It's a sister story. That, that couldn't say Maureen.
3: You got that right. We have
1: another podcast host.
0: Hello. Everybody knows Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Hello, how are so, and Linda and Steve. And we're gonna gang up on Reenie, <laughs> And thank you very much to our sponsors, the city of Mesquite, Mesquite Works, the Steam Center, C and J Shutters, and Do It Best Hardware. Thank wow. you. Thank yeah, you. Thank you all. Yeah. Thanks, But tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: Well, I just turned 71 yesterday, so oh, happy, oh. happy,
0: happy birthday. birthday! Oh, it was yeah. yesterday, huh? <laughs>
3: yesterday, yep. Yeah, and grew up as an army brat, so lived all around a lot of places in the U.S. and then my was stationed 3 tours in Germany. I actually graduated high school in Stuttgart, Germany at the American Army Base. Uh, will not ever have a class reunion because of that, so I would like to go to one just because I can never go to one. <laughs> and But I really enjoyed growing up nine years, three different tours, but I got to see a lot of things that most kids don't get to see. I've been to... Greece and Italy and Scandinavia, Austria I've skied St. Moritz I've had I've had had a wonderful childhood and then we also had time in San Antonio and got to do water skiing and went, went to the Alamo. So as a kid I, I really enjoyed my childhood because I got to travel around a lot. but the negative drawbacks for that, or that I really never maintained long-term friendships because I'd be with somebody for maybe six months, or a year, or two or three years, and then we'd be thousands of miles away. My husband, on the other hand, grew up in a small town of 300, and he's got friends from high school and very different from my life. That was kind of my growing up. Went to college at the University of Maryland in College Park, got a teaching degree, Jumped into that right away, had children, and got into a volunteer organization called the Leche League for 10 years, and that's an international nonprofit. And then I opened my own school, had that for 10 years, then went, got my master's, went into the private college sector, and finally retired, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> which is nice. <laughs> so that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> so what brought you to Mesquite? Well, initially, my husband and I wanted to retire to St. George, and we had been to St. George back maybe 20 years ago when it was nothing like it is now. But as it continued to boom in size, we did not like the traffic, and we also started investigating tax state tax savings with Nevada, where you don't pay any state tax, so it does put more money in a retiree's pocket. hmm and we wanted to be close enough to Utah because four of the five children that we have together live in Utah and Salt Lake, so Mesquite seemed like the good spot to be. And you got involved with the theater group here. That was kind of on a whim. Uh-huh. I had, I have a belief that re, when you retired, that's the time of your life to do the things. That you either wanted to try but didn't have enough time because work got in the way. Maybe you started but you had to stop because work got in the way. Or maybe it's just something that you've never done. And that was the theater for me. I had been at a production and I saw one of the characters completely forget their lines. In fact, they just said, I got nothing on this (laughs) stage. And floor didn't fall apart and they didn't fall down. They... We're able to continue going on, the audience didn't boo, and I think that's probably the worst case scenario that people think, what if I forget my lines? And nothing happened and the play went on and it was after that play they announced auditions and I turned to my husband and said, you know what, if that's a worst case scenario and it wasn't bad, I'm going to
2: try. So I did and I got a part. What a cool example to be set. Like you could actually do that or anybody could do that because if something were to go wrong, like you said, nothing bad happened.
3: Yeah, exactly. And it's not something I ever had wanted to do in my life. I had never done any theater as a child, never did church plays, school plays, nothing. And it wasn't ever something on my bucket list. It was just I thought, gosh, she's fine. And life went on and the play went on. I thought, you know what? that's the worst case, I think I'll give it a shot.
2: Yeah,
3: good sport attitude. Yeah. So the recent production you were in was? Hallelujah Girls, and that was fun. Both of the productions I've done have been uh, comedies, which I enjoy, and I definitely want to do another play, but I would like to try something maybe a little bit different. I'd like to do one maybe a year because theater Though I enjoy it and it's satisfying and rewarding, it's not my life. And so I want to have other time to spend with my husband and to do the things that, you know, other things that I like doing. So I'll audition for something that's maybe a different genre next time.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it must take a lot of time because I'm watching Sue Kelson now Mm -hmm. with Dastardly Desperados of the Desert. Mm -hmm. And she is spending every waking second there with Nancy.
3: Oh yeah, well the rehearsals are very time consuming and I'm a morning person, I'm up very early and the rehearsals are at least the two plays I was in were held at night and I'm exhausted <laughs> when I get home and they're fr- Monday through Friday and I treasure that time at home with my husband so I'm willing to give it up for one t- once a year but then I want to be home Sure.
0: Yeah, and it's it's those young people who are working, mm-hmm. who are making it at night. You know? mm-hmm. If it was us retirees, oh, um, hold on, I can't, I can't <laughs> say this to <laughs> <Rachel> If I <laughs> can be the voice for the young she's... people,
2: we are <laughs> tired, and bedtime and tea time is just as valuable.
0: <laughs> hey, so let me ask you, because two things in your past, so we've crossed paths. Um, I grew up in College Park, Maryland. Excellent. So, and when did you go to University of Maryland?
3: I was there from seventy-one and graduated in seventy-five.
0: Okay, so I was, I, yeah, I was there.
3: What? When were you there?
0: No, I didn't go to University of Maryland.
3: Oh, oh, so, you just lived I, in College Park. We lived in Annapolis.
0: Okay, and I worked in Annapolis, and I lived in Annapolis oh, too. Okay. So Excellent. our paths crossed somewhere there.
3: Mm-hmm. My father was the harbor master for fifteen years. Oh, so if you were he? in Annapolis, you may have crossed paths with him too, if you ever down in the city docks.
0: Yeah, I was always down. there. I worked at the Naval Academy.
3: Oh, that's uh, wonderful. Okay,
0: and what I remember about the City Docks is the place there where you could get the fried chicken. Mm-hmm. Okay, which was always good. And when it got windy, all the sailboats. The other thing is the Liliche League. Leche League. Leche League. Yeah. And with our first son, who was born in seventy-six, my wife just loved you guys.
3: Oh I be- I am wonder so so touched to hear that
0: cuz they saved her she was having a tough time with it and it all worked out well mm-hmm. and everybody that she knows that breastfeeds now she points them to oh, the lovely chili
3: Yes yes that's probably one of the few soap boxes that i have in my life do you want me to talk about that a bit i think that's a good segue to ask what is the leche league and then talk oh, about this oh i'm
0: sorry Okay.
3: <laughs> so it is a nonprofit international organization that supports breastfeeding mothers they do not take a stand on anything else they don't take a stand on abortion or anything it is they are strictly there to support breastfeeding mothers because 100 years ago 200 years ago mothers, aunts, women supported each other. It's really only been in the last 100 years that formula has really been safe enough for children. Uh, Before that, you found a wet nurse if the mother couldn't breastfeed. Mm -hmm. And what's happened as formula and women going to work, a lot of the support really has disappeared. And so the need for Lalechele came about, there were uh, six women, Uh, or seven women, I'd have to check, but it was in, I think, 1956 when they formed their very first meeting, Mm -hmm. and uh, it has become international in scope. You know, formula, if you read, it says on the labels, the next best thing to breast milk. So you have to think to yourself, do I want to buy second best? Not everybody can breastfeed, and it's good that an alternative is there. But if you are able to breastfeed, mm-hmm. why not give the best to your child? But a lot of women like your wife had difficulty and without support and encouragement and factual information on how to get through it, people give up.
2: Right, It's been it's moved a lot into like a taboo to even talk about breastfeeding, let alone uh, seek out information, a wet nurse uh, support or anything like that. So that's really awesome to hear about. Well, and it's surprising
3: because I really believe in whoopsie sorry in the 60s and 70s and maybe into the 80s the breastfeeding was really almost in a heyday you know people were really trying to go back to nature uh, you heard a lot of people who were trying to do natural childbirth but then as we moved into the 90s and 2000s it seemed to have faded and it surprises me because it still is the best food for the baby all mammals feed their young mm-hmm. humans are really the only ones that don't feed their young, or that so many of them choose not to feed their young. And human milk is specifically geared for the development of the human brain. An infant's brain grows to about 75% of its size within the first nine months mm-hmm. after birth. In fact. Uh, some famous anthropo- anthropologists believe that uh human's gestation should be longer because a human baby is not capable of getting to its food source on its own like every other mammal is. They can crawl, they can get to they can they can suckle, but a human baby without a parent there or somebody to take care of it would die. And uh, it's because the brain grows at such a rapid pace and it wouldn't fit through the birth canal if it gestated for, let's say, 18 months. So breast milk is perfectly suited to the development of the human brain.
2: As you can tell, I'm a strong advocate. Oh, I hear you. This is definitely things that, uh, it's. Important. More education is important. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times, fear, uh, taboo, not, not wanting to talk about things, comes out of fear or lack or lack of education. So, the more the merrier uh, when it comes to details and facts.
3: And one more thing, I will tell you about breastfeeding. And like I said, uh, I was not uh, breastfed, and uh, you know, I think I turned out okay. So I'm not saying that it is the only way to raise a child. But I also firmly believe that something as important as raising healthy, well-adjusted humans into the world is not randomly left a chance. And I do believe that the manual, so to speak, is breastfeeding. Because if you are totally breastfeeding, that means no substitutes, no pacifiers, no bottles. You are totally breastfeeding. You have to put your needs aside to take care of the needs of the child. And that is the best way to become a parent is to learn how to put your needs on hold because a lot of people don't. And the children are left to cry or they're given to somebody else. But again, this is just what I believe. You mentioned in your biography that
1: your go-to book was your child's self-esteem. Would you like to talk a little bit about that?
3: That's a great book. It's still available. The author, Dorothy Corkill Briggs, it's an amazing book. And it really teaches you how to raise a child without spoiling, without spanking, and to try to give that child an identity and a a confidence in self. So there's certain things that, that, I mean, I read that, what, 50 years ago, 40 years ago? So I read it three times because it was so important. How you talk to a child. You know, a lot of people say, oh, you're a bad boy. You know, why did you do that? Every time you label a person, you are affecting their self-esteem, but you can label the behavior. That was a very bad thing to do to throw that food at your sister, but a lot of people don't take it to that point. They just say, you know, you're such a bad boy. Get out of my sight, and we are our children's images, and so how they see ourselves is how we portray them. And so our language is really important and she does talk a lot about imaging and language and things like that in, in parenting. So yes, it's a great book if anybody's looking for something that will teach you positive parenting.
2: All of that is helpful to, to everyone. And leaning into something that's kind of popular right now, it sounds like that's a really good resource for gentle parenting as well.
3: Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah. Yeah, and and it doesn't mean that you can't say no. I was never a proponent of people not saying no because everybody has boundaries. Everybody has to know, whether you're young or old, that there are things you can do and can't do. There are always things that are have-tos, like cleaning the toilet. Who likes to do that? But we have to do it. So even kids need to grow up knowing that there are have-tos. But it's how you say it to a child, how you structure it. For example, when I have four kids, and when my kids would be a little bit older and they'd get into a fight with each other, which is normal, I could intervene and I could have sent them to their rooms or I could have you know, given punishments. But when you dictate a punishment, you remove the responsibility from that person. So I would sit them on the couch, and I'd say, you both can get up when you give each other permission to get up. Mm -hmm. So they sometimes would sit there for an hour until they finally were willing to work it out. Mm -hmm. My four kids, Mm -hmm. I'm very blessed. They all get along great. I don't have sibling rivalry. I also never believed that if I had to buy a pair of shoes for one, that they all got shoes because not all of them needed shoes. And if you treat a child as an individual, they grow up, not feeling bitter or jealous of the other person because they understand they're all individuals. So a lot of that's in that book. And you're still heavily involved in mental and physical health, correct? Yeah, we were, I've always liked enjoyed physical health and, yeah, mental health. So you're teaching a class at the Rec Center right now. I teach uh, five classes at the Rec Center and two classes at Mesquite Fitness. Oh, okay, so I teach seven a week and That's probably my passion right now because I do believe that physical health helps you mentally as well as physically. I think it helps you emotionally. So I really, I enjoy it and I like sharing it. Yeah,
2: like water yourself before you try to pour from your cup. (laughs) (laughs) While you're there,
0: let's talk about you volunteer a lot of places.
2: Well, I do. When I very first
3: came here, you know, when you retire, it's very hard to go from all of these things that you have to do and being on a time schedule, and then all of a sudden you're not doing anything. And so I jumped into volunteering. The first place I started volunteering was actually at Mesquite Works because that tied into the job I had. I had been a director of career services for 10 years, so it was very easy for me. And. I did pick up a part-time job. It was an online job where I became a professional resume writer for four years. So it definitely tied into being at Mesquite Works. The first person I met as far as really got to know in the community, who I am eternally grateful for the opportunity of meeting this person, I went to What's Happening Mesquite, which is held, I'm not sure how often, but it's at the Elks Lodge, and it has a lot of different nonprofits and organizations that come and give three-minute talk about what they do in the community. Jean Watkins came up and talked about the Showgirls Mm -hmm. and she said how it was a nonprofit group they don't sing they don't dance which I don't do and they just greet people and people feel welcome at nonprofit events and I thought I can do that and what a great way to learn about mesquite. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jean Watkins has become one of my very dearest friends. I, I think the world of her and I'm so eternally grateful to have had the opportunity to get to know her.
0: Uh, this is a meeting of the Jean Watkins fan club. Online. It is, it <laughs> oh, <absolutely> really is.
3: <laughs> oh yeah. She's I, I think of life as a ladder. And we're someplace in the ladder, and you meet people who are above you who pull you up. You have people behind you that hopefully you pull up. Jean is somebody who pulls me up, and that's why I just think the world of her. So I joined the Showgirls after that. Uh, So I was with Mesquite Works, and then I joined the Showgirls. And then, of course, Jean told me about the Women's Center that she was at that time because this was in let's see, 2018, when, and when I met her in February, and she brought me over and showed me the Women's Center, which was in its infancy, it wasn't even open, but it was just being developed and, and built, and and since then, I'm now on her board, I'm the secretary, and I do enjoy helping out with projects. My husband created for the Shriek Rika the game for the Women's Center, and
0: I probably met you at shriekrika because my wife worked with you i worked at the art gallery oh we had the little beanbag thing that they had to throw
3: what's your wife's name gwen oh okay awesome yeah and yeah. she
0: was there the did, night we did interviewed she have you guys the,
3: did she have uh the she, witch costume on or? she had
0: something on
3: okay <laughs> <laughs> we had we had three or four people from the women's center who came and helped and. Uh, I'm really good with, fa- well, pretty good with faces, but names are still sometimes. I have to say a name over and over, and, but tell her thank you for helping. Yeah, sure.
0: Well, she had a good time. It so. was fun. As did we. We had, And you know what? I I say this on almost every episode. The kids in this town are so nice. Yes. You know, we had them throw in the little beanbag, and they were all just so nice. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. It was really heartening.
3: Well, I like to do events where we see the other half of the population, because unfortunately, as seniors, we tend to kind of only see other seniors. Mm -hmm. And so I did the donkey rescue as Showgirl helped with their selling of raffle tickets it's just nice to see the kids come out and there's a lot of them here
2: oh yeah during shriek Rika, my partner said he didn't even know that mesquite had that many kids it's true (laughs) it's true and i love
3: to do to go to the children's theater because then you see all the families and i don't know why we can't somehow co-mingle more Because, in fact, we purposely bought into a neighborhood where there are children and where the school bus comes because we wanted to have that feel of normalcy, Mm
2: -hmm. at least what's normal to Mm us. Oh, something about children's screams fills the heart.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. We we have a little girl who, because we live in, where do I live? Oh, I I coyote
1: I Willows. Steve, Steve I like you we, live
0: in coyote willows. I I live, I live in Quack- I'm coyote your neighbor
1: willows. down in Sunset Greens.
0: <laughs> yes, you are. But I'm old, I can't remember that. But there is a little girl when the bus lets out. Every day on the way home, she screams to the top of her lungs. And my wife loves it. Mm-hmm. She says, I love hearing that little girl being happy yeah. going down the road.
3: I love seeing them after Christmas, riding their scooters, playing with their drones, whatever they've got, they're out. And it's, I don't know, I think that it's important for us to remember that, you know, we are a community of all ages.
1: One of the things we've talked about in previous podcasts is the fact that Mesquite does not have a child care center here for working parents.
3: And it's too bad because I'm sure it has to do with insurance or finding people to watch it because they the parents um, work 24 mm-hmm. hours I mean they either have graveyard swing or day shift and so a, a child care for, would have to cover all of it and typically you don't make a lot of money in chi- with child care mm-hmm. so I think it just is a, a difficult situation it's a shame there couldn't be a grant or something to help because I think it would help people get better jobs if they could had a safe place to have their kids. Well, there is, a, there is a
0: children's center place that's over by the theater.
3: Yeah, it's by the show Girls and the 4-H, which is by the theater, and they, but I, I, what, I don't know if it's a head start or what it is, but it's not all day, and, okay. and it doesn't take a whole lot of kids, so I don't, I don't know too much about it, but we do need more of that. So, Reenie what's your art truth especially being retired when i worked there were so many things i wanted to do i had a friend who i worked with who actually built uh, violins and fiddles and i always thought oh i would love to learn the fiddle but i just didn't have time because work for me was very intensive and got in the way of so many things even my exercise lots of times i'd have to i might be doing something for six months and then i'd have to stop because of whatever happened and so now as retired I feel now I can be the best version of myself I can still grow and expand and start doing those things that mm-hmm. I used to always want to do mm-hmm. or and didn't have time to do. So yes, I do believe that we can we retirement is not a time to slow down. I think it's a time to start doing the things that we would love to add to our
2: life. I absolutely love that we are not going to find you in a rocking chair anytime soon. No.
3: (laughs) (laughs) No, and I'm grateful for modern medicine that allows us not to have to sit in a rocking chair because I told you guys earlier, but I have two hip replacements and so I can continue doing the things that I was doing. But if I hadn't before I had my first hip replacement, that's when COVID hit and they had to put it off because electric surgery it was considered and they those were all put on hold and i was in so much pain i limped and it was you know i would i, I would be that person who's in a rocking chair but modern medicine has made our lives much richer and fuller
2: so we can continue And so happy to hear that you are where you are now in recovery and but three early pandemic three years is not that long ago to have that faster recovery and decide, I want to go out there. I'm hungry for new activities. I'm hungry for creative ventures. That is so cool.
3: Well, recovery is, you know, as fast or as slow as you make it. And I was back to teaching step within two months on both of my... Where are you
0: That's amazing.
2: (laughs) Wow. Is the the hip company calling you for advertisement (laughs) opportunities? (laughs) They should. You were so heavily involved, not only in Mesquite volunteer opportunities, but even when you were over in Maryland with heavy soapbox opportunities that you really believed in. So you not only like to work hard, but work hard for things that you're passionate about. I'm really curious, how do you find the time? How do you prioritize and carve out what's going to be where in your schedule or um, I guess how do you do it all? Well, I was
3: fortunate when I got involved in La Leche League because I was able to stay home with my children for 10 years. I was very, very fortunate, and so I jumped into doing La Le Leche League. I started a group, and I actually moved up within the state because La Leche League is an international organization, and I started as a group leader, state a group leader, but then I did uh, the area conference supervisors. This was in Florida for the I did three conferences in Florida, and then I became the area coordinator of leaders, so over all of the leaders in the state, and I did even go and speak at one of the international conventions. But then, after about 10 years, well, I wasn't breastfeeding anymore, and my oldest child, my my kids were in public school, and my oldest child tested gifted, and uh, the following year, his teacher, in florida at the time they had a pull-out program so they didn't go to a special gifted one day a week he was pulled out and his teacher almost punished the kids that were pulled out to go so they were held responsible for anything that they missed during that class that they were gone to the gifted program and he became so angry and just so frustrated i having been a certified teacher, thought, well, you know what, I'm gonna let you have the choice if you'd like me to school you, and he did. And my other two children who were in school said, well, I wanted to be schooled by you too. So I started schooling my kids at home and then I had other parents, because I was certified, ask if I would school them. It sounds so, like the start of that
2: one room classroom.
3: Yeah, so I okay. started my school, which I had for 10 years. So I was fortunate, so that be- was my job, but it was something that I could do and still be with my kids. I've been able to work the things that I love into my life. Yeah. And so I'm, I feel fortunate.
2: That's really beautiful advice. You're not really working for anybody else necessarily. You're making the jobs that you have work for you and what you're passionate about.
3: Yeah. And it worked for my kids and my family, and I was able to, to get those things done.
0: That's cool. That's beautiful. Well, thank you. <laughs> Where was that at?
3: That was in Utah. Okay. I had a school in Utah. Reenie, what is your style, and where do you get your ideas? My ideas uh, really just come from watching. I am a people watcher. My husband and I, we watch a lot of movies and TVs, and I get ideas from other people. I love music. I have always got a song in my head. Unfortunately, they're never new songs they're always songs other people wrote i wish the new song oh, i'm with you and it tends to be the same
2: two lines over and over again
3: <laughs> and i tell the people in my class about movies that i've seen there there's a recent movie that the sequel just came out and so for anybody who's listening if you haven't seen this movie it is just so awesome it's called fisherman's friends have you guys heard of it? Oh, no, I haven't. Okay, it's a true story. It's And the second one just came out. It's a group of fishermen in Cornwall in the United Kingdom who sing sea shanties. They, and it shows them in the very first movie. They're out on the boat, and they're hauling in their pots, and they're singing these sea shanties. We all know what would you do with a drunken sailor, and that's one. But there's a whole lot more that they sing. They end up getting a recording contract for real. And you can download their albums, and they're awesome. And then the second one just came out. It just tells the next part of the story. They actually played at the Glastonbury Festival, which is as big as Woodstock. Oh, wow. It's such a cool movie, and they still are popular. And it's something completely different than any other music that you're hearing, because they're singing sea shanties. And I tell my people in my class, and one of the ladies in my class is so cute. She comes up to me and says, you put a worm in my head. I keep hearing those <laughs> sea shanties. But she bought both the CDs. But so anyways, things like that inspire me, you know.
0: So that's cowboy poetry on the water.
3: Yes. Yeah, but it's, it's more it's, it's more moving. It's more tribal almost. You should watch it.
2: That is a really funny story. It sounds like it's a documentary style,
3: right? It's a movie, but it's a true story. Okay. And they show at the end of it, they show the real group. Okay. That that are alive and kicking and singing. That
2: is awesome. (laughs) At first I was picturing you talking about like a a fictional comedy, but this is just as good. Yeah, no, it's true. It's it's awesome.
3: I love true stories. I love to see what people have accomplished. And it's neat to see that something that would be as obscure as fishermen singing sea shanties can make it on on the radio waves.
1: Oh yeah. Yes. Well talking about your art, Reenie, how do you handle mistakes in the critic in your head?
3: Oh yeah, yeah, okay.
0: No, so. reading never forgets a line. <laughs> no. So no mistakes.
3: I, I actually try not to. I, and when I do, I beat myself up about it. But And this I'm going to tie into some, well, no, I'm going to wait, because I know you said you always ask a question at the end. I'm going to save that for the end. But All right. I do a lot of times, I'm one of these people that, because I'm a perfectionist, and I think there's a lot of people like this out there, something that I did in the past, said something, did something, acted poorly, or whatever, will pop in my head, and I just can't seem to forgive myself for it. I just revisit it, and why did you do that? Why did you say that? And I don't know how to let go of it. I mean, I try to forgive myself, but that's the hardest thing for me. It's much easier for me to forgive other people Mm -hmm. than to forgive myself. So I I am a harsh critic, and not everybody seems to have that. I don't know why I do, but I do. My husband and I went to California, and we got on this uh, Steve Allen when he had a talk show. And we actually, I got picked to be one of the people, he asked uh, questions. uh, He picked two people out of the audience. The real Steve Allen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no way, Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey. Oh, Steve Harvey. Sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. Steve Harvey. <laughs> Anyways, my question to him was because he's an, a very very busy man. I said to him, "How do you turn it off when you go to bed at night?" Because for me, that's when I get all my thoughts, music, mm-hmm. everything in my head.
2: Oh yeah, to care for cancer, everything. Everything,
3: everything. and. <laughs> I've even visited the pot store to help me with that because you know I can't turn it off and and you know he's talking about things that he does. He talked about a, a sleep app on a smartwatch that he used and and you know he, he was just telling me about just trying to let go and 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 I said you know I can't do it. My husband's sitting right there. He can and and I pointed to him and said but he can and Steve Harvey said well that's what he tells you but (laughs) anyways but he does he's able to just tune it out but I can't I have a very very
2: hard time and so yes the critic in my head is is there it's almost like a different question when you're asking someone who's so self-aware as a perfectionist how do you handle the critic in your head so i guess what would your remedy be for that ultra critic that you have that tells you i guess how it needs to be in your own opinion so often
3: yeah i just try and tell myself that i forgive myself and i try to see if i can think of what lesson i learned but sometimes it's not even something that I necessarily did purposely like, I'm going to give you an example. Okay. So when I was very first married and we bought our first house, it had, it was in Florida and it had a pool and there was a little screened in patio. And my daughter who was maybe, I don't know, 15 months was in one of those walkers, those little plastic things with the seat in them. And I had a friend over and we were talking and I wasn't paying as close attention, and she got that walker out and actually got out into the backyard where the pool was. And fortunately, her little legs took her over to the rocks and not into the pool, which would have been devastating. Right. So it wasn't necessarily anything I did, but sometimes I think about that and I'm like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. you know, how horrible it could have been. And so those are things that come into my head, and I just try and be grateful that somebody was watching her. I try to to see the positive. Sometimes it's hard. I just feel somebody was watching her, somebody was taking care of her, and uh, but it's hard. I think there are people like that out there like me who can't let go of some of this stuff, okay. especially when
1: it comes to parenting? Yeah, right.
3: Yeah, yeah. We think of th- mistakes we've made or things we've done, and and I try very hard, and but honest mistakes can
2: quickly snowball into. But what if?
3: Yeah, exactly. And so, anyways, I try very hard to forgive myself, but I think that's one of the, I think that's probably one of the hardest things we can do, unless you're like my husband, who doesn't think like that. <laughs>
1: You know what I do at night to turn it off? Tell me. I watch Seinfeld.
3: Oh, I love Seinfeld.
1: Usually I watch the same episode like 10 times before I actually make it through because I fall asleep. But if I'm focusing on what they're saying, Mm -hmm. I'm not thinking about saving the world tonight.
3: Yeah, and I do uh, something similar. I listen to... On our TV, on one of the music mm-hmm. channels, I do the very light classical music. Oh, sure. So there's no words, and and sometimes that will be in my head, but it helps me to tune out other things. Steve,
1: what do you do at night to help you sleep?
0: I listen to our podcast right okay. to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> you know,
2: that's that's why I, I know. and on the Artsend.com.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't listen to ours.
2: To other podcasts,
1: not ours. Ours are exciting.
0: But I did last night because I finished on Teresa and Dave's episode Uh last night. And my first test is to put it on my cell phone to make sure the sound is good.
3: Sure. Mm
0: -hmm. And I heard Dave talk about two minutes and then I went to sleep. And this I, morning I woke up and said, I still got that to do. So
3: I think you're like my husband because he listens to podcasts every night, and it ah, puts him to sleep.
1: There you go. Mm-hmm. I listen to hours in the morning because it's very uplifting and a great way to start the day.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then she texts me at 4 in the morning. Hey, I do. I just listened to this podcast, Steve. And I'm like, I just went to bed.
2: <laughs> oh,
1: special. That's why we make a good team here. We're, we're working 24 hours a day, right,
3: between you and yeah, me. We
1: are. <laughs> Tell me what creativity means to you
3: well i wrote that <laughs> you want to try and do your best and i but i do believe that i don't care what you do i think you should always try and do your best my father taught my sister and i when we were little kids it didn't matter what you did in life you could be a garbage collector but you do the very best job you can and that has always seen me through life. What, when I teach my step classes, I always, I'm always looking for new moves. I'm always creating new choreography for it. I don't ever just sit back on what I've done. And so I do think that being the best version of yourself is tapping into each and everyone's creativity.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and it's something new. Because I, yeah. I, I look at little children, and they're experiencing something new every mm-hmm. day, every something new. So, and that's, I think, was what keeps me going, experiencing something new.
3: Exactly. We need exactly. to keep
0: doing something new.
3: Which ties into what I said about always trying something. You know, this is our opportunity. I mean, I know when people are working, you try new things, but it's easier I think all of us who are retired are in such an awesome place in this town Mm -hmm. to do new things. We have so many nonprofits. We have so much opportunity for a small town. There's so many things. And so people who feel like there's nothing to do need to look, need to... Mesquite's a magnet
1: for creative people, isn't it? It is. I'm it just is. amazed at everything
3: that goes on in our town and giving people, mm-hmm. um, people who really want to help others and do for others. And it's a wonderful little town. I I love it. I do too.
0: And I like what interviewing um, Sue and Nancy the other day. They said new people walk in the door all the time with these amazing talents they mentioned you they mentioned joy and bob here's all these and you were new at it oh you know, joy and bob drug a, right yeah, <laughs>
3: their degrees were in that
0: <laughs> yeah but they walked into mesquite
3: right yeah because it is it, it is a we're very blessed to have found this town i always ask people how did you find this place because it, it's so easy to drive right by it on the interstate mm-hmm. and looking off the interstate it, it doesn't look pretty it doesn't look like a place you'd want to retire to but it's a wonderful little town yeah,
0: yeah. when we went through in 89 we stopped to go to the bathroom and then kept going mhm like oh what was
2: that place <laughs> Uh, for the longest time, driving between California and Utah, you get so disorientated between Vegas and like your actual destination that I thought Mesquite was either part of Vegas or part of uh, St. George, and I just thought it was so strange they had big land masses in the middle of their city.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate knowing that perspective. Like you drive That's an hour different. and there's more
2: city. <laughs> How funny. And one
3: thing about Mesquite uh, that I always love, and I tell my husband all the time, you've got. Mesas and palm trees and deserts and you've got mountains mm-hmm. and snow. Where else do you find that kind of geology in the same location? I mean, we don't have a rainforest, but really we're so unique. We mm-hmm. really are.
1: And all the national parks and state parks that are so close. Are just fantastic, mm-hmm. aren't they?
3: But you can look this way. Well, I don't know which direction we are, but I think this way, and you have the snow-capped mountains, and you can turn and look the other way, mm-hmm. and you've got palm trees and mesas. Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. You know, you didn't see that in Salt Lake or other places, you know, that, are, that can be equally beautiful, but right. we're just, it's a neat town.
2: And to be this far away from the snow. <laughs> yes.
3: <laughs> you can see it, but you don't have to shovel it. <laughs> you can visit it if you want to. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well,
0: we've gone 45 minutes. And this is lovely, too, by the way. Thank you very much.
2: Yes. Because you're just yeah, be so fun pretty amazing. Everything oh, Everything you've
0: is.
3: said, yes. Because mm-hmm. you didn't ask me about Harry Potter. <laughs>
1: oh, wait. Well, how's you in? Well, we always ask now. is about the time we say, is there anything else you want to talk about before we wrap it up? But, cause Would I you did... like to talk about Harry Potter?
3: Well, I did uh, come up with something, though, for the question you said you always ask people. So About what's inspired you. Yeah. Oh,
1: so... we're supposed to ask
0: her a different question today. Remember to throw her off? Oh, <laughs>
3: <laughs> I had something for that. <laughs> well, well, we're going to ask
0: you. Tell me about Harry Potter.
3: I love Harry Potter I love Harry Potter I've read the entire series at least seven times And whenever I feel that I need a good read I go back and read it Because J.K. Rowling is so clever Have you read it? Don't tell me if you haven't You need to read it Have you guys read it? Oh my gosh I I can tell by your face
0: I read The Hobbit
3: Oh no She's clever She's so clever So witty and it's not just the story. It's her cleverness. Like, for example, they have a ministry of magic. And when they send emails, they're actually little paper airplanes that go into the elevator. And then they get out and they go to wherever, you know. <laughs> I mean, she's just so clever. It's clever writing. And that's what I love about it. The story is great. The people are great. But I just I just enjoy. I'm sad when it's over because it's hard to find somebody who writes
2: that cleverly <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> quick personal question if you were going to sort yourself into a harry potter house which house do you think you would be in
3: well i'd always everybody always wants to be in gryffindor cuz that's where harry potter is but i probably would be ravenclaw cuz they're like real kind of like perfectionists and you know <laughs> book, <laughs> book people and stuff <laughs> that's
0: um, the book versus the movies
3: oh Hands down.
0: <laughs> you don't even have to
3: ask that. Oh, okay. so we do
1: need to read the book. It's, it's a, I could never read. get into
3: the movies. You have okay. to read the book. And I did watch the movie. I mean, uh, after uh, The last time I read it was probably about maybe, I don't know, eight months ago. And I did watch each movie after the book. The first movie's pretty good. But then as the, they progressed, because her books get thicker and thicker. They're like the last like 700 to 900 pages and I was just basically that's not how it happened that's not how it happened you know and so my husband's like shut
2: up they cut out so much (laughs) I've noticed that when they do those book to movie interpretations if a character is thoughtful or introspective it does not translate to screen very well it's very hard to take a
3: book that you liked and put it to a movie. Oh yeah, That's why Fisherman's Friends didn't have a book, but it's a true story. Okay.
0: And there you go, that's why my wife doesn't like to watch any Tom Clancy with me, because oh. I've read all the Tom Clancy books, and I'm like, it's not following the book.
2: I know, I know, <laughs> because the, the books are so good. Mm-hmm. Well, nothing pointed out more to me other than The Martian, The Martian has a lot of times where the main character is on Mars by himself. So they, in the movie, had him do video recordings so that he could report back to Earth. When in the book, it's just him talking to himself in um, internal conversations. That's great you Uh, read that. That's Mm -hmm. great. Good for you.
0: In the book, did he say, it's time for me to science the (laughs) sh**? out
2: of
3: this because that's
0: what he said in the movie like i'll have to beep that or cut that out oh
2: he's <laughs> even more clever like in the book he's like your bro buddy best friend dude guy
3: <laughs> Was that brad pitt in the, uh, matt damon matt damon that's mm-hmm. right okay yeah that was a good movie but i didn't read the book so kudos to you uh, i did more of the audio book but thank you <laughs> that's okay Rainy.
1: we always asked our guests what has inspired you this week
3: Okay, I'm glad you asked me that because you told me you were gonna ask me that. So I was very worried because like everything inspires me and so it was hard to come up with something. But I was actually having breakfast with Jean, gave her her magazines that uh, were in her mailbox and there I, I was skimming through and looking before I gave them to her and there was a page on mindfulness. And I asked her if I could tear it out because, like we talked earlier, there's always things going on in my brain. And so meditation is very hard for me. As much as I would love to meditate, and I've tried meditation and respect people who do meditation and think that it is an important part of a person's life, I can't tune out. I, I, I'll be meditating, and in a minute, something's in there. Background and music yes and so i tore out this page on mindfulness which is basically what meditation is but it's a simpler way to do it for people who have difficulty sitting still or a shopping list enters their head or or whatever and uh there were just a a lot of different things about it and I googled it and there there are things to do for mindfulness and some of them can be just as brief as a minute that you just focus on your breathing and one of the things that i've started trying is it's called five four three two one where you take one or two minutes and you find five things you can see four things you could touch three things you could hear two things you could smell and one thing you could taste that you see and just because it's getting in touch with yourself and that's what meditation is is grounding yourself i'll never be a person who meditates but I need to be more mindful. So that's inspiring to me. Oh.
0: I want to do an episode of um, distractions, how people handle distractions, because I get distracted easily. Oh, I do. Mm -hmm. When you're doing your art, how do you... So sometime, everybody think about that. Okay. I'd like to get a panel and just talk about how everybody handles distractions.
3: And I think they have occurred more and more now because we have so much bombarding us. And uh, I think of our brains as basically like a sponge, and they've become so saturated. If you saturate a sponge, it eventually drips. And I think that with the media, and all of the good and the bad, and the the true and the not true, and, and it's so hard
2: to keep a focus. That's how I'm going to start describing that state of overwhelmedness, is my brain has started dripping. Yeah
1: that's a really good analogy isn't
2: it
0: yeah Yeah. so we've started our next podcast
2: (laughs) (laughs) the drippy brain podcast
0: okay we got one more thing to do you need to ask rachel what's inspired her this week
2: oh what's inspired you this week uh this week i've
0: you haven't talked about the eighties.
2: no i want to hear about the 80s i'm glad i haven't mentioned this one yet this week i have been inspired by the 80s because love family the organization that i help um As a secretary, we are throwing our annual prom, and that's going to be in April. Our April prom is going to be 80s themed, so it's like, I want my 80s. We're having two different time blocks, um, one earlier for the early birds, one later for the people that like to party late, but because of the 80s theme, I've been researching what I want to wear. And that's taken me so far away from the costumes and straight into the Gunny Sachs and Jessica McClintock and a little bit too far into the Vivian Westwood. Mm-hmm. So I'm just looking at subcultures and looking at what different people were doing in the 80s, what the uh, zeitgeist was, what the color palettes were, and I'm just really enthralled. <laughs> cool. Wow, as a costume designer. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> that's
2: what... Oh oh the costume really friends.
1: showing. <laughs> it and, is,
0: and are you going to help me?
1: <laughs> do you do want to dress like a pirate with me?
2: <laughs>
1: Possibly. I was looking online yesterday.
2: Oh, really? For, for something to wear. Yes. I was, I'll have to show you guys my pinboard. Oh, I'd love to see <laughs> that <laughs> Pinterest.
0: Okay, you need to ask her.
2: Linda, what has inspired
1: you this week? Well, actually, I've been inspired this morning because now I want to start step classes in June <laughs> with Rainey. I'm going to read Harry Potter. I've been looking for a good book to read. And I want to be a showgirl. How can I do that? I'll help you. Oh,
3: yes. I would love that. That would be
1: awesome. I just saw the
2: birth of Linda as a showgirl, and this was the most fantastic moment today. (laughs) (laughs) Steve, what's inspired you?
0: Well, being here is inspiring, of course, as always. But we... Set a hike for because I'm a hike leader for Friends of Gold Butte. We set a hike yesterday, and within about mm, an hour, it was full. Yes. Okay. And then with by last night when I went to bed, we had 17 on the waiting list.
1: Oh wow. my gosh! And This hike is the one to a wash. This is or, um um
0: the arches of um, Black Mesa.
1: Yes, the one I'll be gone.
0: Yeah, you'll be I'll gone. Be I'm out sorry. Town. I know. So in any case, so I'm so inspired. I probably yes. need to quit podcasting and, <laughs> and start taking out more, more walks.
2: Need some portable audio gear.
0: Portable, portable. Well, we have that. It's called the cell phone.
3: Yeah. Oh. So, do you teach your hikers the skeleton walk?
0: No. What's the skeleton log?
3: When I lived in Utah and I I joined a hiking club and the instructor, who was amazing, you know, and definitely taught us whatever you take in, you take out. So everybody had their baggies and they brought everything out. But when you're going uphill, you use your bones to propel you instead of your muscles, which keeps you from expending your energy so you have more energy to climb.
2: I'm so happy you said that. Oh. I think I've been skeleton walking and I thought I was just lazy.
3: <laughs> <laughs> no. So, so it's like when you take a step, you kind of lock your knee so that your bone pushes you up instead of your muscles pushing you up because uh. it's the muscles that wind us, but the bone doesn't. Anyways, you can google oh. it.
1: Okay. It's so, like using so
0: gravity. <laughs> So, you know what's inspired me now? What? Is that Rini will come give a class for Friends of Gold Butte for the Skeleton Walk. It
3: takes about two minutes. That's a two-minute class. I'd be there to learn how to do it right.
0: Well, we'll do it for two minutes.
1: I I need to learn that because Uh, I've I've been doing the Sasquatch Walk. (laughs) When I get tired, actually, pictures have been taken of me and shared and labeled. I don't know that walk. You're
3: going to have to show
1: that <laughs> the outro's got the partnerships. We, you know what? I, I want to lis- assure our listeners we have not visited Deep Roots this morning. We're not having cheese and wine. We're just having a great time. We're
2: just having fun. Feeding themselves.
1: off of each other's energy. Thank you so much for coming. Oh, Thanks
2: for mm-hmm. having
3: me. I appreciate it.
2: Yeah, thank you for being here. It's been awesome to get to know you better and just yes. get to know you as a person.
0: So, and that's the best part about our podcast.
2: It so, is. Yeah. yeah, I went from knowing Reini to I think I'm Reini's friend. Yeah, <laughs> we
0: we leave as friends. So Reini, thank you very much.
2: Oh, thank you. Broadcasting from Mesquite, Nevada, in the scenic Mojave Desert, the Art Box sponsors. Thank you for listening. To find our next and past podcasts, find us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com where all accompanying images and links are available on the Art Box page. Questions, comments, opinions, and concerns can be sent to artboxvv at gmail.com. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of its hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Virgin Valley Artists Association.